0: My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor. I'm just a mom.
1: I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds I keep covering up the sun.
0: On this episode of the Just a Mom podcast, I'm very happy and honored to be joined by two guests today. And these two guests are going to give us different perspectives because one is a mom and then one is a therapist to the mom's child that we're going to talk about. And so, I think this is going to be a really interesting and different type of episode than than what I've done before. So, I just want to welcome you both, Stephanie and Dr. Caroline Danda to the Just a Mom Studio. Thank you.
2: Happy to be here.
0: Well, I'm really happy to have both of you here. Like I said, I have not done this approach before. So, I think this is going to be a very helpful episode for the listeners because Dr. Danda, you can kind of chime in from the professional perspective when Stephanie tells us some things about what her journey as a mom with a child who struggled with some mental health issues has been like. So we'll just Exactly. Go from here. So Stephanie, why don't you get us started? by telling us a little bit about your
1: family. Okay. Um, Hi, I'm Stephanie and my husband Kurt and I have two kids. Sarah is our oldest and she's graduated college and is her first year out on on her own. And our son Connor is 19 and Connor has special needs and he is in a post high school program with our school district. Okay, great, thank you. And Dr. Danda, would you tell us a little bit
0: about your background and your qualifications and what you do, please?
2: Yeah, I am a licensed clinical psychologist, and I have specialized training in kids and adolescents, and actually health conditions. So that was part of my training uh, in my graduate program, as well as at Children's Mercy and then at KU. And I also have experience in anxiety disorders before I went out on my own to develop my own private practice. Um, And I'm also the mom of three teenage boys. So I feel like they have informed my practice quite a bit because I know a lot by what I've read, what I learn, what my clients teach me. But also knowing in my own family, like, this is what you're supposed to do. But then when you try to do it, it doesn't always work. So they have made me um, very, uh, my kids have helped me be able to tailor approaches to meet the needs of the families. And that's really where my passion lies, is taking the information and experience I know and tailoring it to the families and figuring out and helping them figure out what works for them.
0: Because not everything works textbooks right exactly it's not my little just a mom experience so (laughs) that is exactly right and I think having three teenagers of your own
2: I mean you've got your own perfect little experiment (laughs) right there going on exactly yes it's been an experience especially through the pandemic Uh, and part of me seeing their struggles and the struggles of everyone else that led me to partner with uh, registered play therapist Karen Montgomery and Uh, We developed the Invisible Riptide, an organization that is dedicated to developing resources because we want to be able to spark those conversations to help create positive mental health and build resilience and really fill in the gaps because so many parents feel like I'm not really sure what to do or how to help my kid. That's
0: awesome. And I want to hear a little bit more about the Invisible Riptide because like I told you before we started recording, somebody told me about that and it sounds super interesting. Stephanie, why didn't you tell us about your your son mm-hmm. and you said that he has some special needs yes. and then has also had some mental health challenges. Would you give us a little bit of background and information uh-huh. on him?
1: So Connor, unbeknownst to us, had a stroke in utero and it caused brain damage. We found out when he was three months old and um, then he had a condition that caused um, – He's still an infant his that caused his intellectual disability um, so technically a cerebral palsy and an intellectual disability. His epilepsy just kept getting worse and worse. So by the time he was maybe three, I mean we tried so many meds and everything and um, when he was in preschool was the first time we visited a psychologist because his behavior when I mean, we think about Connor, when he was young, 90 percent of the time his behavior was great. But that ten percent was extremely volatile, and it just wasn't a great I mean we're all a great living environment we were always constant waiting for something to happen and um and so the doctor at the time he meant well, and he just said I didn't kind of I needed play therapy. I needed to play on the floor with him more, give him more attention, so Kurt and I were really you know really tried to be focused on you know at least ten minutes a day one on one attention playing with him, and while that was fine it we didn't notice a change and so then I started looking and you know is he an explosive child and then we decided it was probably pre-ictal when he's having a seizure but it didn't always happen like right before seizure it just kind of happened whenever so we just learned to live with it and um just kind of thought it was him and um I you know read love and logic for the special needs child and nothing really worked kind of for a short time it might um so then when he was six years old, his epilepsy was uncontrolled. So we had he had epilepsy surgery, a pretty extreme surgery. The right half of his brain was removed. And um, he had a long recovery from that surgery. And so things were actually kind of great because he you know, had to learn to walk and eat and talk again. So we, he was really working hard and tired and he was doing well. So we thought, well, maybe now that his brain settled down, everything will be fine. Well, that wasn't the case. Um, things just started escalating again and we went back to the same psychologist and um which you know we didn't know where else to go and was he was at children's mercy all of Connors healthcare was there. In hindsight we should have changed sooner but mm. um but that's okay. Um
2: you can't know until you know.
1: Yeah. And and he was, you know, fine. But he was just fine. Mm. And I think the problem with a child with intellectual disabilities is Okay, I'm just projecting here. I think they don't think they know enough to have anxiety. I think they don't think that their brain just works that way, okay, and um, Kurt and I have always believed there's a reason for every behavior, so that's why we try to find you know you know it's epilepsy, it's whatever. And so, you know, we just were kind of tooling along, and then I was fortunate enough to do a program with KU Med called um, Leadership Education in Neurodevelopmental and Related Disorders, and it's a program for graduate students that kind of that want to work with people with disabilities, and they have parents in the class, you know, that I can learn alongside, and I got great resources and met wonderful people, but they also talked about autism, really in depth, and I was like, wow, Connor checks a lot of these boxes. But Connor's not the stereotypical person with autism. I mean, he communicates, you know. I mean, he just doesn't have some of the what you would assume. So then I was talking to one of the psychologists there. I'm like, you know, we need to test Connor. I think he has autism, and you know, sure enough, he checked a lot of the boxes. Okay. And so that was nice because one of the co- comorbidities with autism is anxiety and panic attacks, and Connor had those. And um, and he was getting bigger, and he was definitely getting you know, he would fight or flight or freeze and flight was kind of hard for him since he's physically disabled. So it was fight or freeze. He was getting big enough where it just wasn't safe. And um, so I asked the psychologist to recommend someone for therapy and she one of her recommendations was Dr. Danda. And so it's it's been a great journey since then and it's completely changed our household and Connor and it's been wonderful. Wow. So you've Been seeing Dr. Danda for
0: then, what, close to 10 years? Um, Six. Oh, okay. Since 2018,
2: I think it was. So just four years. But it feels like... It seems like forever. Yes. Mm. I feel like I really know Connor really well and can really build on what you guys have already been doing.
1: Yeah. And
2: it's been a, a big journey from where we started
1: to where he is now and what we were working on. Yes, definitely. I mean, he's really matured. And... And I think, I mean, you've been able to teach him what his feelings mean, which right. is a big thing.
0: Let's talk about that a little bit, because that's the first thing that you kind of said. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is one of the takeaways from Connor working with Dr. Danda.
1: Yes. You said you taught him yes. how to talk about his feelings. Yes, and it started really simple, um, She used a few different things, but the one that finally – two things stuck when he has thought tornadoes, Mm -hmm. and that is just where, I mean, like anybody, to just think about, and their brain is just going a mile an hour, and she, you know, use your thinking brain. When you have thought tornadoes creeping on, use your thinking brain. And so we'll work with that. Um, The other thing which he kind of loves is he'll tell us, my brain needs to go to the bathroom, which means he needs to talk about something. And he just used it this weekend. But something was bothering him. But he's getting to the place where he doesn't get upset. He just says, my brain has to go to the bathroom. And he'll tell us what's bothering him. And what would that have been like eight or nine years ago? He would have just because I can still see the look come over his face but this look would come over his face and he would just shut down and we happened to be in the car so say when we got home he would not get out of the car and then we'd be like let's go inside and talk and he would say no and you know he would like open up his door and slam it shut or he would push us and um and he would just become volatile and and it was really not a great environment I mean our daughter Sarah you know, she was, she's hypersensitive still to this day to his feelings because she was away at college when he really started making progress. So even now when she sees the look come over him, she expects, you know, him to be volatile and he's not. So, um, I mean, he just, you know, he just gets this look and he'll sit for a second. He actually got out his phone and played a game and then he was ready to talk. So
0: he has coping mechanisms now. Absolutely. Yes. Dr. Danda, tell us a little bit about those and what, you know, exactly how you figure out this could work for this child.
2: Well, some of it is starting with the basics of let's understand what our feelings are, how they work in the brain, why do we even have them. One of the things that we talk about with a thought tornado is it makes sense. Mm-hmm. When you get triggered and we started to talk a lot with dealing with change and and, and things that were unexpected. <laughs> really, that's where we started yes. because those were the biggest triggers, which makes sense also from a perspective of autism. Yes. Change is hard. And one of the things we talked about is to expect that you're going to feel uncomfortable, too, so that he almost wasn't surprised by those feelings. And then trying to figure out, too, what's going on in his body to help him know. And that's been a real struggle. That's, I think, just until recently, he had a really hard time knowing ahead of time what was going on. Although he could identify, I know change is coming. And I think one of the biggest parts of that is not only teaching him, but really teaching you guys. yeah, Because you guys have been in sessions every Mm -hmm. time. And I provide the information, and sometimes the information, I can see, it might spark a little bit. But I think what really has solidified it is you guys start using the same language. Yes. And we might identify some triggers, or we might identify a way of talking about it, and then you guys will say, for example, like, hey, are you in the green zone, the yellow zone, the red zone, or you look like you're in the red zone. You look like there's something that's not going as you expect, and they might help him to regulate himself so that he can use the words, because part of the problem is when we have that thought tornado, there's no organization there. You're just literally spinning. And so the first goal of managing any emotion is to be able to take a step back
1: and pause. Sure. And a lot of times, that's really on the parents to help their kids yeah. do that. Yes. And if and he gets past the yellow, then he's not going to pause. So we really, you know, yeah. We right. Really try so to catch you worked, him. Like, we work with him. Like, stop. Tell us when you're yellow. So you worked really hard on knowing what his triggers were. too. Yeah. So that
2: you would be prepared to yes. support him. And the more that you did that, the more he was able to also learn because he had experience. Because we can know things by what we know by information, Mm -hmm. but it's the experience that really solidifies and marries those two things that really gives us true wisdom or knowledge or
1: strategies. And before we saw Dr. Danda, I will say Connor knew something was happening in his body because he'd be like, I need to go to the ER. I can't breathe. And he'd be like, I need to go to the doctor. And um. You know, he was like a medical child for such a long time. I erroneously assumed like the doctors his safe space, like someone gives him love and attention. And so we would just be like, no, you don't. You're just, you know, but I mean, he really was. He was having a panic attack Mm -hmm. and he literally couldn't breathe. And, you know, on Sunday when he was upset, he's like, my stomach really hurts. So I knew he like he's starting to be able to identify like what the physical effects Mm -hmm. of his anxiety and panic were.
0: And that's huge
2: for any child, right. I think, or for any person, right. not
0: just kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: you have and he to know. Really like that the analogy of having to go to the bathroom because <laughs> it's, it's funny. Exactly, right? yeah. and when we can use humor, it makes a big difference. And that also helped him cue in because we talked about how how do you know you need to go to the bathroom? Yeah, yeah. you get physical sensations, mm-hmm. and that particular thing helped resonate with him. Of oh when I get these physical sensations I need to take out the
1: trash or go to the bathroom yeah. just like I do physically that's so good yeah it is great I mean it's it was literally it's life changing mm. because you know before you know I would say the past couple months I mean we never I mean Connor living on his own is you know a big question mark but before it was because of his mental health that we we're like that is not an option you know but now it really could be. A possibility for him and know that he's safe and, you know. And he's starting a... to initiate more.
2: Yeah. I think that's been the big shift in the last year or so where you're kind of helping him identify and he'll come along with you. Yeah. But he's shifted a lot in starting to initiate those conversations and letting you that's know huge, or yeah. at least saying something's not right. You're still guiding him, but he can recognize I'm uncomfortable. I can listen to that message that means I need to step back and I might need to reach out for help. It sounds like that is just a
0: 180
1: from what it used to be. Oh, completely. Does he ever have those outbursts anymore? He he does. Um, He does. He um, Like just the one he had this past weekend, one thing he's, you know, and it's good that he's better because i'll get lulled into it and not check in and then you know um so if i don't check in it'll be dumb things that are bothering him um he'll self-harm but in his own way which um he'll self-harm and um and destroy possessions that mean a lot to him but it's really decreased and so that's great um but i that hasn't happened for about six months wow that is a huge improvement. It is huge. And he will he'll come home from school, he's like, Do you think like I was upset at work today? Or like, hey, um, so yeah, like I don't know, but yeah. He's like, Do you think I hurt myself? And he'll be like, Yeah, because he wants to surprise it. No, I didn't he gets really excited mm-hmm. that he's I mean, he's very proud of himself when right. he can work through his emotions. So Yeah. And we set that as a goal for him. Yeah. Sure.
2: You know, we talked through what that was and his self harm was different in yes. terms of We're lucky. like he might stick something in his ear. Okay. Which is still dangerous. Yes. But it's a different kind of self-harm um than I think what we traditionally think of. Sure. Uh, like, or it would be I'm going to destroy uh, his you know, earphones or his yeah. his possessions. It would he would need a way to get out the anger yeah, and, and the, the physical yeah. part of it. And we talked about with him, how his energy ramps up. Mm. So when we get distressed, we have a lot of energy that comes in, which sometimes means it's hard for us to just calm down by, I'm going to take a breath. And sometimes we literally can't catch our breath. So we need to go with the energy. And so he's learned a little bit about, I have all this energy, but this is not the right place for it to go. Again, applicable to
0: children and right people of any age. I mean, these are really important things that we know that maybe don't come naturally right. to most of us. No,
2: they
1: don't come naturally. I mean, And I don't he think feels
2: so. so much better. He does. Not having all those big feelings that he doesn't know what to do with. Right. I'm sure. Because nobody wants to
0: feel out of control. Right. No. And I'm guessing... To. I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but he probably felt out of control a lot of oh, his Oh, yeah, um, definitely.
1: Families and it and... would happen at least a couple times a month. And when you have big.
2: a child that's got special needs or autism, sometimes his communication is not on par with most kids his age. Correct. And that's another barrier. So it's finding the simpler ways of how can we express it or how can we do this, although, honestly, a lot of times – even for people without special needs or difficulty mm-hmm. with communication, simpler is better.
0: Mm. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, keep,
0: keep it simple. Yeah. Exactly. Silly. Because <laughs> yeah. we don't want to say the other thing. Yeah. Well, and that's so true because when you're in that moment, because we all experience times of distress, mm-hmm. times of, you know, escalated feelings, emotions, whatever those are. And if you have to sit there and think of some complicated way to bring yourself back, mm-hmm. I mean, again, in the moment, who can remember all of that? So as simple as possible seems pretty smart to me.
2: And then having sometimes an image or something that you can latch on to that's almost like a symbol. Mm-hmm. I think you guys have done the STOP.
1: Yes, we have Which done is Which
2: stands for STOP. Mm-hmm. makes sense (laughs) take a breath and then you observe what do i actually know is going on and a lot of times you'll help him with that yes and then p is proceed with a plan that works for me Mm. but it's about how do i slow down and interrupt
1: the emotions not get rid of them
2: that's a really big one it is and we
1: i mean kurt and i strongly believe every emotion is good it's what you do with them Mm -hmm. so that's I mean, we want him to feel all the feels.
2: Right. And one of the biggest things he's dealt with is dealing with the change. And he's okay with, to some degree, being uncomfortable uh-huh. with change. Yes. Like, he knows change is coming. He knows he doesn't know what to expect. But he knows that he can do what he, he can... needs to do. That's one of the messages is you cannot know what's going on, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But be confident that when you figure out where you're at and you get the information you need, you can make the changes you need or you can make the plan and you can get through it or you can ask for help. So it's not about knowing everything ahead of time. It's about being confident to deal with whatever comes your way.
0: Tools yeah. in the tool belt. Yeah.
1: And yeah. he, again, I'm going to say Connor has done a really great job with that. He has. One uh-huh. thing he's thinking about, which this is kind of, um, I don't understand it. But he wants this surgery. Okay, we don't even have an appointment with the doctor yet, and he's already worried about it. Mm. And so he said, you know, I need a PowerPoint presentation. So one way we've tried is to manage when something's coming up, whether it's a new job through school or whatever, is to create PowerPoint presentations. And we just kind of go through it a couple times, then we leave it right at his spot at the kitchen table so it's always there. You can always see it. And for others, it would be like journaling But for him, you know, we create and it's just kind of there. It's not, you know, kind of a secret or hidden. It's just out there and he can just it's available to him.
0: So it's almost a conditioning type thing. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Where if you see it multiple times, then maybe it takes some of the fear out of.
1: Yeah, it does. Right. I mean, exactly. And, you know. And it's great when places have videos. We'll watch videos if he's doing something new or, you know, just so he can experience that Mm -hmm. ahead of time and know what to expect. What are some of the
0: particular challenges that um, Connor's battle with anxiety and panic attacks have? What are some of the, I guess, like I said, particular challenges that that's placed on? you guys in terms of your marriage, your relationship
1: with your daughter? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think for our family, I mean, we were were not so much anymore careful about what we did and where we took Connor because um, we were sensitive to Sarah, especially when she was younger. I mean, he would be embarrassing out in public and um, life's hard enough. She didn't need more of that. So um, we really... I mean, it's really limited our life. And, um, you know, I am so fortunate. Kurt is a great, great father and a great partner. Um, Nine times out of ten, we're on the same side with Connor. If one of us is having a bad day, then things might not go very well. But we're very lucky that um, we see things the same way and, um, you know, we believe – the same things about taking care of our children. So I think that, you know, the foundation was already there that we were really lucky. Mm -hmm.
0: Dr. Danda, have you worked specifically with the entire family on how to, you know,
2: work with Connor, parent Connor, that type of thing? So a lot of times, both Kurt and Stephanie will show up to the sessions together, and they're both very invested in asking questions, and so I provide the same information. And I know when I provide information, I write down what I re- we talk about, and I make pictures or whatever so that they can take it home to remember it. So even if one of them isn't there, then mm-hmm. they can share the information. And a lot of times, I hope Connor is able to share the information, too, that we learned, which is another way for him to repeat, to remember what
1: we talked about, to do that. I don't
2: think I've actually ever met Sarah.
1: No, you haven't because she was off at college when yeah. we started But we've talked you.
2: about Sarah son and how to help whenever she's home or not home. And we talked to
1: Connor about Sarah. and Yeah, Sarah's an important part of Connor's life. And, um, I mean, really it's his only peer that he has a relationship Well you know, that he has a close relationship with. Mm-hmm. And so um, so managing mm-hmm. her absence and her coming home and her leaving again. Sure.
2: Change, mm-hmm. change. Right. But I work with the parents, but I'm not doing like marital therapy and we don't right. address those types of things. It's really working with the parents together as a unit so that they can support Connor. When everybody's on the same page, just things work so much better.
0: What advice, Dr. Danda, would you give parents like Stephanie and Kurt that have, you know, particularly challenging situations with kids? Because Stephanie's right. She, they're lucky that they're on the same page most yeah. of the time, because that is not always
2: the case. And that can be really hard on a marriage. It can be really hard on a marriage. And if you're not on the same page, the kids feel it, too. Mm. The kids can feel that. They can feel the tension. Or they can just feel where somebody is a safer or where they can maybe get their way. They're mm. going to find a way to kind of use the divide a little bit sometimes. Or they're just not going to feel very comfortable. And if it is affecting the marriage, you know, to an extent, sometimes it's helpful to go get your own therapy.
0: Mm hmm.
2: I've done that myself, uh, gotten therapy mm-hmm. because our kids have struggled. Yeah. And even as a therapist, I needed somebody else on the outside to kind of help me see things. Uh, it's also if both parents can come or making sure you take time like each week to maybe just check in with each other is a helpful thing so that everybody is on the same page, not talking about things in the middle of a distressing moment but maybe recircling back and talking about what works yeah. and what didn't work I'm a big fan of celebrating your wins and then looking back and say okay well what could I have done differently what could I have tweaked and then maybe you save some, some stuff to talk to the therapist about
1: mm-hmm.
2: and tag teaming I think you guys do a great job of tag teaming well, yeah we
1: have learned that <laughs> mm-hmm. especially since Kurt travels um, it's a lot you know He definitely gives me that break when he comes home. Do you have any other help or? I don't. Um, I mean, that's the one thing. I mean, I quite honestly was a little embarrassed, you know, about Connor and his behavior because, you know, I felt like it's a reflection on my parenting. Mm. And so, no, I mean, I think we kind of hit it. And, you know, it's easy to hide inside your home. So, and I, my one sister I do have, I mean, she knows. You know, I can share the ugliness with her. But no, I pretty much, Kurt and I kind of just kept it to ourselves. And what you just said
0: is what every parent, you know, that I've talked to about their child who has struggled with mental illness, myself included, said, well, you know, I feel like I did something wrong. I failed as a parent. And, you know, here's
2: exhibit A. It's like you should know what you're doing. Right. And they're honestly as much parenting books that are out there there's no parenting book for your kid you're right there's not one that's labeled this is how you parent connor this is how i should parent will Mm -hmm. and this is how you should do it at age two and this is how you should do it when they're at the store and this is how you should do it at age 13 when they're having trouble with friends yeah exactly and if only if only
0: but i think too like just this is one of the big things I'm trying to do with the Just a Mom podcast is get us talking so that we can help eliminate some of that stigma. Yes. Some Mm -hmm. of that will, you know, you must be a terrible mother because if your child had diabetes, no one would say, well, you must be a really bad mom that your your child has juvenile diabetes. And that's, it's no different. No, it's another chronic condition. Exactly. And I... Talk about that all the time. You I know, mean, Will has a chronic medical condition mm-hmm. that needs continual monitoring, and sometimes some adjustment. Yes, and same exactly. with Connor, and it's nothing to be embarrassed about. So I'm really proud of you yeah. for being here and
1: talking about
0: it because yeah.
1: I know it's hard. Yeah. Well, and I think also, I mean, Connor just takes a lot of time with our family and even friends. who Ask how are you guys? I mean, it's always like fine because. He, you know, our life is kind of a hog when you, if you want to talk, really talk about it, there's a lot of stuff going on. So we just didn't want the pity and, you know, just kind of, just got kind of old. And then with my health stuff, you know, it just got to be too much to just share even. I'm just kind of over it all. Sure. Do you want to talk about that? My health mm-hmm. or just, um, yeah, because that was I think when we really realized Connor's anxiety manifested, um, I had breast cancer and the day of my double mastectomy, Connor woke up and was sick. Mm. And I'm like, okay, we really need to get to the hospital because yeah. I have an appointment. And my sister was flying in town, but she wasn't there yet. And so I had to call my other sister and say, hey, can you like take work off today, not paid, um, and come watch him? But he was physically ill with mm. worry. Mm-hmm. So I think that was when we really realized, like, yeah, he, he's feeling these physical symptoms when there is. I think that was kind of our light bulb sure. m- moment.
0: Dr. Danda, would you talk about physical
2: manifestation of anxiety a little bit? So anxiety is really our safety control center. It's there to let us know... Like, are we in danger? Are we safe? As well as just a general alert system, maybe we need to pay attention to be cautious. And in order to do that, our bodies have to gear up to do that. And so what happens is you get a lot of physical symptoms in terms of your heart has to beat faster to get blood to all your muscles. Your muscles can get tight because it's got all the blood going to the muscles, so they're ready to run or ready to fight. You breathe faster, so you get more energy. Uh, Your digestive system actually uses a lot of energy to digest. So guess what happens when your body needs energy? It says, we're cutting that off. And that doesn't feel very good, just like as if you slammed on the brakes to a car, does not feel good. The other thing about our digestive system, too, is that serotonin, which is one of those neurotransmitters that helps regulate our mood. um, They have those receptors that kind of take in the the serotonin so that your body can use it. We have about 85% of those in our intestines, Mm. only about 15% in our brain. Wow, I didn't know that. That's interesting. So a lot of times we get a lot of stomach upset. Because things are moving, literally kind of moving. And your body is all geared up for fight or flight. The challenge is a lot of times we're not, what I say, fighting grumpy tigers. Yeah. I got that from That's Karen good. Young and her book, Hey Warrior, which is a great resource for explaining mm-hmm. anxiety. Um, but she talks about like, it's great when you have a grumpy tiger chasing you, you need your <laughs> fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But our amygdala will overprotect us, but our body still has all those physical symptoms. And those physical symptoms then sometimes become scary. Yeah, they do. And we don't know what yeah. to do with them when we just want them to go away. But your body's doing what it needs to be doing. It's just not doing it at the right time.
0: That's so fascinating because um, I don't know if you guys listened to our story with Will, but you know, before we sent him to college, so he had migraines. He's had migraines separate of his mental health issues for many years. And I don't know, the month or so leading up to when he was about to – go away to college oh guess what the migraines were out of control and you know we've got the neurologist throwing everything that he has at it not touching him and all of a sudden one night dan said um you know this could possibly be a manifestation physically of his anxiety and it was like hello it's not like we haven't been dealing with this for several years now and we just—I don't know why—but it just didn't even occur to us until several weeks later. And then, oh, okay, so psychiatrists yeah. started started him on a new medication. Uh, oh, all of a sudden, the physical right. manifestations got better, and the right. migraines got better. So that I, I'm
2: glad yeah, that you the brought the brains that up. and bodies are so connected. They're so connected. It's amazing. And it is amazing. I mean, the body is just right. And you're not going to get that maybe full panic mode, but a lot of times you just run hot. Mm. So your anxiety level is just running at a higher level, which then also makes it easier to go to that panic state. And so for your example with Will and migraines, so he probably wasn't in a panic state all the time. But there was this nagging worry about change. Yep. And he may not even known how worried he was. Right. Because a lot of times our bodies will give us, they're our, they're our barometer, actually, for sometimes how we're feeling emotionally. So if we can tune into our bodies, a lot of times they tell us a lot more about what's going on emotionally. It's, that is, if nothing else, of course, there's been so much good stuff
0: already, but that is like one of those nuggets. Pay attention to your body. Yes. Because it might be telling you something about your brain. Absolutely.
2: I get a migraine. I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) When I get a migraine, it's true. I'm like, I have really been running myself more than I need to. Because I usually think I'm more capable (laughs) of doing everything than maybe I am and probably need to build in more breaks sometimes. And if I don't pay attention to where I'm at, I will totally get a migraine. Mm Mm-hmm. My That's... body will tell me, and then I will have to slow down. It does yes. make you it slow down. Yeah. You
0: don't really have a choice there. Nope. Stephanie, you talked about Connor being in school. Mm-hmm. Would you tell us a little bit about that and what school's
1: like? Yeah. Um, he's in – we're in the Blue Valley School District, and they have an 18 to 21 program. So he's in his second year there. And so he'll work half a day, which he loves um, well, most of the time. But um, – He didn't like the library and that, you know what, a lot of anxiety came out because he had a lot of time. His first semester, he worked in the library alphabetizing books and holds. And, um, I thought that'd be great. He had too much time in his head because it was quiet. No one's talking. I mean, he's just working by himself. That was not a good fit for him. Um, It was a long semester. I went to the library quite a few times. um, And he did do self-harm, um... And just a few other things that were really unexpected. Um, And you know that his job coach was great. The school was wonderful to work with. The library was. I mean, it was great. It just, he had too much time to think. So that was not a good fit. Um, He's worked at a retirement community delivering mail, which he liked. Um, And he worked at Children's Mercy delivering mail as well, which he really liked. Um, And this semester, he's at TJ Maxx. And um, straightening up the store. And he says he doesn't like it, but he comes home every day with a smile. So he's up moving around, and he interacts. I think he told you Mm -hmm. he likes best interacting with the customers. Right. He's got a great smile.
2: Oh, He's very infectious when he's smiling. Yeah.
1: You want to be able to talk to him, and he wants to talk to you. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's, it's been really good. He's getting a lot of different job experiences. And then in the morning... He goes to Johnson County Community College. They have a program um, for individuals with special needs. And then um, he does computer stuff, DigitAbility, which is a great um, program on the Google platform for individuals with special needs. So he's, he's busy. He likes it. Um, but, you know, the cliff is coming at the mm. end of next year. All Unfortunately, all the individuals with special needs, once they're not in the school district anymore, there's a cliff that...
0: And so then what?
1: You know, that is the big question. Um, I don't know yet. We're hoping. um, I think Johnson County Community College has a full-time program that I think if he's accepted to, he'll do that. Okay. So we don't know. That's the million-dollar question. Sure. But I think he's already pretty isolated now. Um, He doesn't want to do stuff socially, and I don't really understand why. He stopped. He was doing Special Olympics, and he's doesn't want to do that anymore and part of it is he's fully aware of his capabilities and he's physically um he has no use of one arm he has no vision on one side um so i think special olympics he realizes he's not going to get better I-, I think he just you know so he doesn't do that anymore he has no social life even though i'm like what do you, you want to call someone this weekend i'll email their parents we can go out take you out and he doesn't want to so that's really our big concern right now is his social okay life because he wants to hang around with her old parents all the time but it's his comfort zone too so
0: sure he doesn't have
1: to worry about anything
0: dr danda what do you think about that or what are your thoughts there
2: combination of things i think it is hard once he graduates like he will lose access to a lot of other peers that Mm -hmm. he relates to that he's familiar with and can go out with and hang out. I don't know. Is that where they had the social activities mm-hmm. through the social groups where they would go and hang out and do yeah, things? Yeah, sometimes. Uh, and he seems to like some of that. Some of it could be the autism piece mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I actually don't need a lot of social interaction or interacting as part of an activity. Like if I'm at TJ Maxx and I can smile and have a brief conversation is good. I don't know that I need to go out and do anything. I suspect yeah. that he's not as comfortable doing things just hanging out Mm -hmm. yeah without some kind of directive act and part of that's his
1: whole life has been organized for him right being in a in a classroom in the resource room i mean it's everything's planned everything's organized everything is um you know the teachers i don't like it's manufactured socialization Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. not it's not organic sure
2: and some of it will depend on is he happy or not Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. Yeah. that's the question because some people aren't as happy So that's part of the question. But then the other question is, is you're thinking about, okay, well, maybe he could live more independently and things like that. But then I think he would be lonely because I know that he is super connected to you and Kurt. And uh, that would be very difficult, I think, on the one hand, where you're like, he doesn't really want to go out or do anything. Mm -hmm. But to not maybe have somebody physically around him, I think will be difficult. Yeah.
1: A lot of thought tornadoes. A big transition. Mm.
0: I love that term, thought tornado. I'm going to use that from now on because, I mean, who doesn't have a thought tornado? Well, it's the perfect
1: description, I think.
0: It is. That's good. Are you able to leave Connor alone at all at this point? Um,
1: Now I will a little bit. Like if I just have to run a quick errand. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a big thing. Like a couple months ago, I went over to a friend's house for like an hour and a half while Kurt was out of town. But, I mean, I had a plan. I knew it was Monday. He was tired because he had a physical therapy before school. And then I got him Chipotle before I left. So part of the time would be eating. So I kind of had to plan it out. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it would definitely be more of a possibility now. So not for a huge long time. But, yeah, I think so. Yeah.
2: Well, that's good. He's having to navigate things on his own differently than he did in high school Mm -hmm. because he's working. Yeah. He kind of is on his own, and mm-hmm. because he's going to Johnson County Community College, yeah. he's navigating all of that on his own. And I think that's good because he needs to feel that independence, yes, mm-hmm. and know he can do it by himself. Yeah.
0: Well, and learning specific skills too. Like, do you see him once he graduates potentially, you know, getting a job? I do. Yeah, so. I do.
1: I think, you know, I think it's just finding what, like with anybody, getting a job, the right fit. Yeah. For sure. So, but yeah, he he definitely likes to be around people and he wants to be a productive member of society. I mean, he has that innate desire to, thankfully. And now that he has got, he has the specific
0: tools to be able to deal with the anxiety and the panic attacks, mm-hmm. that is a, a is a real option for him. It is a real
1: option because before, I mean, I, yeah, I wouldn't trust him in an, In an environment where he didn't have close supervision and everything. Mm
0: -hmm. So uh, what I hear are so many victories.
1: Oh, yeah. It's it's amazing. I mean, it's really, it's truly changed his life. Mm. I mean, it's been, I mean, I can't say enough wonderful things, all the good you've done in our life, Mm. in our family's life. It's been,
0: yeah. Isn't that amazing that, you know, one person can really, really make a huge difference? Yes, it is amazing.
2: And I like to say that I provide all the information and a lot of tools and strategies, but you are the ones that make it happen.
1: Mm. We try. <laughs> right. Day to day,
2: that's really important because you only see me an hour yeah, at a time. Yes. And, and you're living with them, which is why I include parents all the time with yeah. kids, not even kids that don't have special needs, is because they don't live in a bubble. Right. And exactly. the more that people can be on the same page the more consistency and the more it can become a different script yes, than what our brains and bodies are used to in dealing with our emotions.
0: I know for Will and for us, part of the reason he got out of the deepest, darkest depths that he was in was because he wanted to get better. Yes. So I'm guessing that Connor wanted to get better too.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. I think he knew. I mean, I think he knew the pain. He didn't want to have that anymore. Mm -hmm. And he also knew, I mean, his behaviors were limiting. On some level, he knew that. I don't know how cognizant he was of it. But, I mean, I think he, you know, I think he knew we did and didn't do stuff because Mm -hmm. of, of what his capabilities were with his emotions of regulating them.
2: And a lot of times when kids are melting down, I'll say, man, that must have not been very fun for you. Mm. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Because it
2: doesn't feel good. No. It doesn't feel good. No. When I'm melting down, it doesn't feel good. Exactly. And that helps sometimes them feel maybe that there's some change that can happen or they can do something. It helps them be more motivated instead of going to, well, there's something wrong with me that needs Mm. to be fixed.
0: That's good. Because
2: a lot of times kids will have that, well, if I have to go to the therapist then there's something wrong with me mm-hmm. or I should just know better. There's a lot of, I should just know better or it I does. should already know. And I think that speaks to the parenting thing too. It does. Yeah. I should just already know. Right. And, and we don't, we don't. Yeah. And it's okay that we don't, we're right. not supposed to know it all. No. It'd be really nice if we did. Though. No,
0: well, <laughs> but we don't. And we need to understand that we need other people and it's okay to ask for help yes. and it's okay to get help. And this is a beautiful story. of how getting
1: the right help
0: has been really transformative in your life, in your son's life, and for your family.
1: I agree. And, you know, I would be remiss in not mentioning that Connor does um, have a psychiatrist that does meds Mm -hmm. um, for his anxiety. So he is on a couple medications, and um, but, I mean, we just do med checks. Mm -hmm. No, I'm glad
0: you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about that.
1: So, and before, and also... You know, when he was younger, he was taking a lot of anti-seizure medications. And, um, you know, those just, Mm -hmm. you know, neurons, they shut down. And I mean, there's no telling how that affected him as well. I mean, it's not an excuse. It's just a reason.
2: Well, what's really interesting is when you guys first came to me, I remember one of the things that was happening is you were taping off a lot of the anti-seizure medicines, Mm -hmm. some of which are actually mood stabilizers, too. Yes. And so we had more fluctuations as he was coming off some of those meds because right. he was feeling more of the feels. Yes. Yeah. That's
0: interesting. And did you even know that at the time that they were mood st-
1: stabilizers? Not until later because now people tell me what they're taking. I'm like, Connor took that for epilepsy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's right. so it's so interesting. And and also, I mean, to give him credit, he literally is working with half a brain. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that has... Certain, you know, I don't know how it affects him because he doesn't know any different. But, I mean, that I would think he has to work extra hard or, you know, there's just some of those connections that aren't there that allow him to really process things. And I will say, too, that had you met me, you know,
2: whenever Connor was seven or eight, Mm -hmm. I don't know that we would have made the same progress or not. Right. Because timing is important. Mm. Or we may have still made progress, but it may have been different because Connor, even with half a brain, is still maturing. Mm -hmm. Yes, and cognitively he's maturing, emotionally he's maturing, and so I I think you know we may have made progress, but it may have been different. Mm. Yes, and and so I think it's important to also recognize timing Mm -hmm. uh, is important. That's, and we don't always know what the right time is, but Mm. a lot of times we'll do woulda shoulda coulda yeah i hate her i'm just saying (laughs) (laughs) and so sometimes i just say you're where you're at when you need to be right and that's okay and that's because all the roads led to the right
1: to the right place at the right
0: time stephanie how have you dealt with the stress and the exhaustion physically mentally emotionally of parenting a child with a combination of special needs and mental health
1: issues? Um, I exercise some. Um, I try to walk. I'll eat, unfortunately. Um, I I really relish my quiet time. Um, you know, I've, I, silence is a gift. And so I really need, you know, like 20, 30 minutes a day just to myself, just Quiet. Um and that's probably, that's how I recharge is just quietness. And um and when I walk, I listen our church does sermons, the podcast of them, so I listen to that because we're not able to go to church anymore because that was um, Connor would get bored and he would have panic attacks in at church. Um so that kind of just fills me up too. And then I have great friends that um and Talking with my friends, but mainly in my sister. I mean, I just have some really good resources that really support me.
0: And I think that that's so important mm-hmm. that we do have, you know, either family members or friends that we feel comfortable confiding in, even, yeah. you know, with some of the really really hard stuff, because yeah. it's it's so hard to carry it around by yourself, and we weren't meant to
1: do that either. No, no, we're definitely not. We are, and I and I do. It's funny because I have a group of friends that are awesome, and I've known one for twenty three years. And I have a group of friends that are special needs moms, so they both fill kind of a different role. And the special needs moms, we can kind of let um, special needs parenting is kind of a secret society that no one really talks about because um, there is some really ugly stuff that happens, like with Connor when he was volatile. You know, I would only tell the extent of maybe what he would do to mom who has a son with special needs just because she got it. I mean, she went through, she goes through the same things or she did, you know, like, so it's just, you know, you just kind of pick the right people to share with. and Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I do agree with you
0: there that, you know, not from the special need perspective, but from the mental health perspective, um, I talk more freely with parents yeah. who are, you know, I'm not more freely, but no, they get different. It. It's a different conversation. Yes, it's a different conversation. Yeah. You don't have to start from the beginning and mm-hmm. explain things or be like, well, you know, this happens because of this. You, know, it's yeah. like you, you, you're on the same page, you right. know. Yeah, and there's some real comfort there. There is. I feel like. Yeah. yeah. If you had Stephanie any piece of advice or a tidbit for parents who have a child either special needs mm-hmm. child or a child who struggles with mental health issues, what would you say to that parent?
1: Well, usually there's a there's a reason for why they're acting that way, whether it's, you know, makes sense to you or not or it should be how it comes out. And um Just always ask people if you just ask anybody anything because you might get a resource. Mm. You know, just always ask people if you need help or if you are looking for a doctor or to share something. Because some, I feel like everybody I've talked to, they always give me a little something that I can take away. Every conversation, there's something to take away that just betters me and being a parent. Mm, That's good. So. Dr. Danda,
0: what about about you? What advice would you have for parents um, if they think
2: or know that they have a child who's struggling? Reach out, get some help, and ask for word of mouth, I think, Mm -hmm. because I think it is important. It's hard, I hate to say this as a mental health provider, but I do think it's hard to navigate the mental health system a little bit. And I think sometimes... If you know somebody who has been to somebody, you kind of get a sense for them, or you might have to do a little research and Mm -hmm. talk to a couple people until you find the person that seems to be the best fit for your child. You might have to get a list from your insurance company. Johnson County Mental Health has an amazing resource, and they have a 24-7 crisis line, and they will help direct you and look into resources as well. We're so fortunate to have Johnson County Mental Health as one of the premier uh, mental health centers in the area and don't hesitate to reach out to them. You can reach out to your pediatrician. uh, You reach out to your specialist providers. They may know people. Mm -hmm. Um, Particularly if you have a kid who has special needs, Mm -hmm. it is helpful to kind of get that word of mouth too, Mm -hmm. to know, well, who who might get this? Who might get not just the mental health piece, but maybe how the special needs kind of factor Mm -hmm. in and things like that. So talking, reaching out. Yeah, Just like what Stephanie said is, yeah. is really key. The more you know, the more you ask, yeah, the more you can figure things out. Dr. Danda, would you talk a little bit
0: about the invisible riptide before we close?
2: Yeah. So during the pandemic, uh, my colleague Karen Montgomery and I, she's got three young kids. Uh, we're both pretty active in the community and schools because of all of that. And our practices were so full. The need was so so great, and our mission was to create resources to make what we do in the office more accessible to people outside of the office. And Karen had actually written a book uh, already. She was about three quarters of the way of the book through. The Invisible Riptide. That's the name of the book that uh, she's written. And we connected. We were colleagues, but didn't really know each other that well. And. She's like, do you want to write more books and do more resources? I said, absolutely. And so from that, we developed the Invisible Riptide organization, and we went on to write a book called From Surviving to Vibing, Tips and Tricks for Tweens, Teens, and Young Adults, and then in parentheses, and their parents. Oh, that's good. Because we know when the parents get it, then they're more likely to be responsive to their kids, and part of what we see is a lot of times parents and adults they don't really know either what to do with their, their emotions cuz I don't know about you but that's not how I grew up and nope. I had wonderful parents right you know nothing bad about the parenting but that just wasn't the world that we lived in right and a lot of times the answer was you don't need those feelings just pack them away or dismiss them and so our younger generations are much more open to it But they also still don't know what to do with them. And so the goal of the invisible riptide is really to fill in the gaps so that everybody's on the same page so that we can look at what our emotions are, understand how our brain works, the neuroscience of how our brains get to change the different pathways so that we can be more resilient. How do we have effective conversations? How do we create those connections and community that help us survive? Not just survive, it's vibing. Mm -hmm. We chose the word vibing specifically for that book, because the way we see vibing is it's thriving in the community. Mm. And so we have downloadable resources. We have some of our favorite recommendations of different toys and books for information, for helping kids regulate, for helping talk about emotions. And we do presentations and workshops. Uh, We're all about getting into the community and literally getting what we do in the office and getting it out to the community to make it more accessible and Just practical.
0: That's fabulous. If
2: everybody knows about the thought tornado, that's a different way of thinking about things. Exactly.
0: I'm going to put all of this in the show notes. Fantastic. so So that people can access it easily. And I think that that is wonderful that you are trying to make these things accessible to everyone. Because as we know, and we've mentioned that sometimes that access is really hard or hard to navigate or financially not feasible and that is right. not an uncommon situation so to be able to have a, a website where a person can go and get some information is uh, is just fantastic so thank you for sharing that and I will Yeah, I'll put it in there. And a lot of times those
2: can be great places to start. So the website or Johnson County Mental Health, there is a lot of information out there. And so Dr. Google sometimes can provide some good information as a starting place. But I would also say that sometimes you can't do it on your own, and that's okay. I think we want to sometimes do the self-help and be on the independent. And sometimes it just works better when you have help to navigate all the resources. And again, figure out what works for your family. Uh, and for your situation, so even though there is a lot of resources, sometimes that can actually be overwhelming trying to figure out which one might work. Yeah. And so I would also say don't ha- that's a great starting point, but mm-hmm. also don't hesitate to reach out for help. Excellent point. Thank you for
0: bringing that up. Um, in closing, Stephanie or Dr. Danda, is there anything that you wanted to mention or talk about that um, we have not yet? Um...
1: I would just say that, um, and I need to do it myself, but just kind of be graceful with people. Like Mm. just kind of when you see people out and about, just give them a little grace. If their child's acting up or something, just be gentle with them and smile at them. Mm. That's good. Be
0: kind. It matters. Yes, it does. Yeah. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. No. We don't know what kind of day somebody's having or what they're dealing with.
2: No. And I, don't, don't I would know. say don't be afraid to connect, too, hmm. with people who are different. Yeah. I think, feel like that probably feels like a barrier sometimes. Yes, it definitely does. People may not know what to say mm-hmm. or what to ask or mm-hmm. they don't want to be, um, what's the word? They don't want to be intrusive. Right. But I think sometimes you would welcome that. And I think that's actually true about mental health, too. Yes. Sometimes I think it's really hard if you've got a kid who's been struggling. Maybe they've had a suicide attempt or maybe they've been in the hospital or things like that. I think people don't really know what to say or what to do. And sometimes you can just say, hey. I just wanted to check in, or, you know, I'd love to know a little bit more about Connor and what's right. going on with him. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think being inquisitive and curious in a very non-judgmental way yes. can go a long way. Yes. And yeah. understanding, too, that kids with special needs are people, too. Yes. They're human. They have yes. emotions. They and have And all feelings. of those, yeah. they have yeah. feelings. I think sometimes if you have a kid with special needs, especially the physical, mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's easy to feel like they don't necessarily have that same emotional capacity, capacity. Right. Mm. and i feel like that's what you ran up across i think yeah i a did a little
1: bit yeah and it was totally unintentional and you know it just um yeah it was just people just don't know mm-hmm. and i think right. that's what helps me though too is dr Danda approached things which works for me is how the brain works so it really made me understand it not just it made made me understand the feelings not I mean, not that they're just there for no reason, but to help understand why they're there and why, you know, the fight or flight and all that really resonated with Mm -hmm. me and helped me figure out how to work with Connor Mm -hmm. and what he was feeling and why. You've been able to figure out what
2: his behaviors are communicating. Yes, Mm. exactly what she said. Excellent.
0: (laughs) I want to say that, too. That's really good.
2: Yeah. Stephanie
0: and Dr. Caroline Danda, I really appreciate you guys both being here together and working hard with your schedules to make this happen. And I know that this episode will really benefit our listeners. And I just appreciate you being part of the Just a Mom podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. I want to see
1: you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds that keep covering up the sun. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds that keep covering up the sun.
0: If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful. Thanks again for listening to Just a Mom.